0: Hello and welcome to the CEO Blind Spots Show, where leaders lead leaders. I am your host, Birgit Camps, and the CEOs I invite on this show are both high performers and humble enough to share their leadership blind spots. Today's guest is Paul Williams, and Paul, you have been a CEO of at least two companies. Well, I should say you've been the founder of at least two companies. And, um, you know, there's a reason you're today not called CEO (laughs) and that's quite a journey, (laughs) but, uh, you know, and you are the most challenging guest for me in terms of introducing you, because I, I mean, I could take 10 hours introducing you. You are one of the highest performers I know, also super humble, and you know, as I was doing my work on you, and I've, I've of course known you for years, but um, you are. Uh, let's see. I'm going to try to summarize it. But you are a founder. You're an inventor. You are an author. You're a speaker. You, you have uh, also been a hacker, <laughs> and uh, and you uh, you're really uh, so gifted in so many areas. And even though this show is really about you know, you and blind spots you've discovered about you, I also have to say your strength is my great weakness. So your uh, expertise in technology is beyond anything I've ever seen. Uh, and, and I'm not the only one who thinks that, right? You've worked for Fortune 500 companies. You've worked for Fortune 40 companies. You've worked for small companies, large companies. You've worked with the uh, – you've worked actually – and you've you, I should say better – you used to work in the United States intelligence community. And, um, and, and, and I can say this because it's public, you actually helped, uh, or, you know, at the time, the, the company that you founded, helped the city of Houston solve one of their really big issues. So I'm going to l- turn it over to you and kind of Tell, you know, tell our listeners a little bit because that's just fascinating that, you know, you, you know, cybersecurity, you know, human factors, you know, physical security and all that came together to help the city of Houston with a problem that no one else seemed to be able to solve. And, uh, you know, and then we'll go into, you know, even though you're brilliant, you've got patents, all these things, even you are a human being and even you had a blind oh, spot. Yes. So I'm gonna turn it over to you, but please please help us with the cool story about, you know, the city of Houston so that they can get a feel of the breadth of your intelligence and your expertise.
1: Well, well thanks, Nereget. <laughs> um, glad to be on the show. Hi everyone. Well, yes, uh, so maybe 12 years ago, it was in the Houston Chronicle newspaper, the story about how Paul Williams and his company, Grayhead Research Corporation, were hired by the city of Houston to help with a virus that had crippled a good portion of the city's operations, like municipal courts and traffic and tickets and warrants and the stuff the city council was doing. And it, the article, you know, went on to say that another company had been hired prior to us, but couldn't solve the problem. And our company specialized in finding the unknown. So all of you, many of you have antivirus software. We all know about computer malware and we use programs under subscription basis or maybe a free copy to look for viruses on your computer. But what do you do if the virus is new and isn't detected by any of the different vendors antivirus software products? Well, then you call our company because we specialize in cutting edge, you know, economic espionage, industrial espionage, foreign intelligence cases where it takes uh, very high levels of expertise. And we were able to get the city up and running in less than three days. We found the virus, actually. It's a brand new virus, trapping it, taking it apart, reverse engineering it. We actually did that in the first 24 hours.
0: Yeah, that's that's just amazing. And I'm glad you were able to say those details. And the, the detail I'm going to add, Paul, is that that company – uh, you know, you founded that company and you were even um, highlighted in the Entrepreneur Startups magazine because you took that company from just $4,000. And then four years later, it became a $4 million company. And um you know and and that's a perfect lead-in into you just sound like you're just uh what's that magician you have the magic the Midas touch right it sounds like you're just perfect but but that was also the company that that kind of uh had you see that you had a blind spot can you tell us a little bit about that
1: absolutely well you know first of all I'm extraordinarily blessed there's no other explanation for my life you know but but yes, and actually, just to, to tell you, the thing about that Entrepreneur, uh, Entrepreneur Magazine article that I actually was disappointed they didn't include is I started with $4,000, but won $14,000 worth of work the first day before I even picked mm. up a company name or huh. filed even a DBA. Of course, we quickly filed a C Corp, right? But we had nothing, there was not even email. It one not so fast, it was crazy. In fact, I got a million dollar offer cash offer for the company in just the first 90 days, all starting for 4,000. But uh, yeah, so that, that <laughs> wow. was, it was a meteoric rise, meteoric rise, but but anyway, yes. So the um, the blind spot here was that I thought that, because I had issues before with large technology companies that we all know that they work for, that they would never see uh, they could never understand the technology that I would come up with. So I've invented billions of dollars worth of innovations for some of the biggest companies in the world as an employee. So I thought the best way for me to guide the direction of my own technology, since I'm a serial inventor, had over you know 50 very major inventions for some of the biggest companies in the world as an, as an employee, You know, giant soccer companies, for example. And so I thought that as CEO, I could hire a team and even if they didn't quite understand it, I could guide it. But uh, that's a blind spot on my uh, uh, on my part on your aptly named show because the problem is other people don't see it. Different. They see you as a technologist. You know, all the funding goes to technology, other areas get neglected. Um, you know, there, there's nothing like someone's who the training, the background experience is in guiding a company from a strategic standpoint, balancing the demands of technology, human resources, R&D, other company priorities and business development and that person even if I could do it isn't perceived the same and so investors didn't treat me the same way they kept focusing on the technology background and finally I realized that that perceived bias was actually real about 95% of all my day was spent on technology and 5% for all the rest and it just wasn't working so well.
0: It's amazing, right? Because a lot of people who are technically brilliant and have made their whole career and are known as the expert in their technical expertise, um, you you know, like you said, either they themselves don't see that maybe, you know, a different role is, is, you know, they may be good at it, but not great, right? You're, you are great at what you do there. Now it's not to say you can't be a CEO, but, um, but then on top of that, you had the situation where you needed funding. And, you know, now you're in another company that, that you're, you know, again, chosen not to be the CEO, but really <laughs> you, you were the brains behind the starting of it or the, the idea of it. And but but investors look for proven track records with CEOs. But what was your aha moment when you realized that blind spot?
1: You know, uh, I we, we met with probably, you know, like any other CEO would I met with probably 200 meetings a year, you know, besides speaking and traveling all over on technology. So it's intensely busy, number one. Uh, I think the employees and even our VPs uh, regarded me very favorably, but the problem was we had a pretty significant offer from a defense contractor to, uh, in the very first year of operation actually to, to pick up our technology. And even though my card said CEO, the, the meeting was announced that way, I was introduced that way, this uh, senior technologist for the special projects division of a defense contractor actually said, so let's just meet with your CEO and wrap the details up. And that that was a, you know, and I realized that because I, I you know, I can imitate the talk and walk with the CEO, but it, it, it didn't feel real to me. And I, you know, the enthusiasm when it came to technology was apparent. With the CEO role, I'm being cautious and I'm trying to be authoritative, but it just didn't match. And so, to their mind, I felt more like a senior VP of technology or whatever. And where's your CEO? And that was a you know this isn't fun any anymore. I'm always trying to disguise the secret, and and I just said, you know what? I basically now I because I controlled the majority of the company's stock, so I'm chairman of the board. I'm, I'm I hold all the roles, but I I basically voluntarily step back. And initiated a search for a professional CEO that had done this. Was the career and academic background, and it was a, it was a, a joyful moment. That was the the first time back in in two thousand and six. And if you want, I could talk about the uh, the upgrade in my thinking that happened more recently.
0: <laughs> yes, go ahead. <laughs> and so
1: round number two, the the company I'm with now, uh, Clarity Consulting Company, if that's okay to say. In, um, I was
0: asked to be the CEO. Yes, I think that would be interesting for the for the listeners to know. And that way they can even look you up. And this may be my technology hearing, but um, can if, is there any way that you can get closer to your mic so the listeners can hear you clearly? Because your company's Clarity Corp. <laughs> okay. Very sorry. Perfect. I know what Perfect.
1: Is this better? Perfect. Okay. Yes. Sorry, I do not know what happened there. Okay, very good. Just get the. Your piece suggested here. Very good. So, yes. So Clarity Consulting Corporation, the ClarityCorp.com, founded on June 1st, 2018. Um, And so the company previously existed for seven years uh, through a company that was owned and founded by my great personal friend and colleague, Brian Desolates. And so the company was a rename in the corporation on June 1st, 2018, and he asked me to be the CEO. And with great enthusiasm, accepted because I'd spent about 15, well, yeah, just 15 years thinking about the failure the first time. So I had done lots of reading, started a whole folder on my computer, had lots of articles, you know, watched videos, you know, read some books and done years of analysis. And I really felt I got it. I understand how to pay attention to the CEO role and subdelegate that other part, but right off the bat, there was a problem. It probably may have worked if I had been able to hire someone who could do the technology part the way I did. But that's going to be very difficult. It actually would have taken probably two or three different people to collectively do all the things that I'm blessed to be able to do in technology. And with as a startup, you don't have that kind of funding and budget. So in the end, I'm doing that. And as you could imagine, what happens? Although your commitment is good. Let's come to the work. Let's sit down, pay attention to the CEO part. You're still getting calls, questions from employees. You're still running those teams. And evidently, my career focus that stretches way back is to a young child. in technology takes over. And in the end, you're still perceived the same way. And so, uh, you know what? In January 1st of 2019, step back, we brought a professional CEO in, Tim Turner, And what a great decision. Again, so I think I've learned once and for all is bring specialists in to do those roles.
0: Yes. I, I, and that, that certainly takes humility. Um, and, uh, and I know you said very casually a minute ago that, y- you know, you needed two to three people to do your, your work and that's hard in a startup. And I know you're humble because I think it takes more like 30 people to do one of your roles. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, and, and it's, and you kind of, you know, in a strange kind of way, I feel like in, you, you had an unfair, uh, challenge and advantage in your early childhood because you I, I think you told me during one of our conversations i think i don't know whether it was by the age of 16 or or 12 but you'd already read the whole encyclopedia twice you were raised on a farm um you you learned so many things outside the box there was no one telling you today's curriculum from 8 to 9 is english or you know like that so it's it's fascinating how you have just—I mean, uh, to me, you're like the ultimate of a lifetime learner, and you're such a quick study. And uh, but I also know that you know at some point you were like, "Hey, do I wear the white hat or <laughs> or not?" And because you learn how to hack so well. Um, can you tell me a little bit about? You know, what was the turning point in your life where you decided you're going to, you know, be the good guy, so to speak, because your talents could go either way. Right. And uh, you could have been arrogant and you could have gone the wrong way. And and here you're helping people with cybersecurity issues and and all kinds of issues because you've decided to contribute to society, including not being a CEO and letting someone else run the company. So you can do you can solve things that nobody else seems to be able to solve, including, for example, the city of Houston.
1: Right. Well said. And so yes, to answer that, the it actually starts back in childhood and just to just to set the record straight here, it was actually 1000 books that I finished my 1000th book on my 12th birthday and I don't mean children's <laughs> storybooks, I mean adults, including yeah. memorizing four different sets of adult encyclopedias verbatim, not the names, but all the numbers, all the numbers. And so what it gave me was an intense background of science and every type of science and discipline. And got deep into nuclear physics at eight and master of electronics at nine and got heavily into security at 12 years old. My Air Force father, Captain, yes, we were raised largely in a rural area, but at that time...
0: Will said, you... Sorry, but, Paul, but will you step closer to the mic again?
1: I'm sorry. I wonder what's doing that. Thank you. How is this?
0: Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Because okay. your story is right. so fascinating. I don't want to miss one second of it.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sorry. I'll need to cut it. So, uh, But no, uh, with that massive background in science and technology and starting with nuclear physics at eight and electronics at nine, building discrete components and then subsystems like radios or metal detectors. And then on to banks, you know, my father did not trust, my Air Force father, Captain Father, did not trust the banking system coming off the Vietnam War and all that stuff. And so he put, stored his money uh, in the house somewhere, probably under the bed. And uh, mm-hmm. when I asked him what's wrong with the bank, he said it's because um, that, that he, he put his money, actually, uh, I totally incorrect. He, he he did that for a time, but eventually put his money into the safe deposit boxes of the Bank of Northern Alabama. And I said, why didn't he trust the main bank? it because people could actually break in electronically and get the money. And I said, well, why couldn't they break into the bank vault and get the money out of those bank boxes? He said, because it's very secure. You see all these 40-something cameras, and it didn't take long for myself and my younger brother to engineer and brainstorm away, past the security guards and all that, and find a way to compromise the bank vault. And that launched a whole career. For me, is the knowledge, the intimate knowledge of how security systems work, being able to figure out which camera is live, which one's a decoy, how long that stuff is stored. The the methods we used then, that way back then, still work today. Uh, that That translated over at 13 to breaking my first encryption code. Given a ciphered, unintelligible mass of gibberish, using a set reasoning and processes and mathematical things to break that down was deeply satisfying. So for me, it's always intimate knowledge of how it works, far, far greater than you get at the university level that leads to Mm. the temptation to exploit it for bad purposes. But I don't have those motives in my heart. So it became more like, let me show you how bad I can rip this off, not to steal from you, but to show you that I can blow past your passwords, get in your bank account, just in the matter of minutes, and you really can't stop that.
0: Yeah, that is just amazing, and and at such an early age already, and that's probably yes. I, I know that you were featured in the first story covered in the 2014 book African American Scientists and Inventors by Tish Davidson, and I'm sure that there's this is only one of many stories. So it's uh it's fascinating. Now, how much of your uh, you know, I, I happen to know that you're also an author and, and a, you know, and, and it's basically you're very, a lot of your humility comes because you're, you're really intimate with your relationship with Christ. Yeah. So how much of this, you know, good guy and be, being able to step down a CEO and, and taking on the role that you know that you do best, how much of that do you think, you know, played a part in all your decision making?
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, four years old, something very significant happened that is I can only tell you why that my life has come out this way is due to a prayer at four years old. And and, and it's not, no other explanation for my life is possible, I think, except for that is my father read the story from the Bible. He was a lay pastor of uh, the story of Hezekiah, where God gave him 15 more years of his life in response to his prayer. And uh, ran the sundial backwards as a sign to him that he would receive fifteen more years. And also the story of Solomon asking God for wisdom. Well, the two stories aren't connected. But that night, wandering the house around eleven o'clock, with everything dark and quiet, and I, I knelt down next to a a moon. You know, uh, the, the moon was shining in into the living room, and you know, and I knelt down next to it, and I I knew God existed, and there was no doubt. But I wanted to see God do something, so I prayed fervently for about an hour for that beam of moonlight to move backwards like the story of hezekiah well it didn't you know but then i says well god maybe you know you don't want to reverse the planet for me it's just to hypothetically see something but i want to know lord how does black hole how do black holes work how do radio waves come through walls and through objects and you know i would ask my father questions like how do i know that the blue color you see is the same as the blue color i see and now we know often it's not exactly the same, right? And this, there's a lot of things like that. No one can answer those kind of questions. So I knelt down and I asked God for wisdom. I want to know how the universe works. And starting that day period, I began to see in my mind how countless technologies work and quantum mechanics and time dollars, things that other people weren't talking about to the 90s. And I take no credit. It was God himself began to show me. And to this day, even when I'm exposed to technologies, I have no prior background. It doesn't even take 24 hours when it's like, you know what? I know more than people that have doctors in the field and I take no credit. I can't do that. That's not humanly possible. Only God could do things like that.
0: Wow. <laughs> yes. Well, see, and I've known you for how many years and and how lucky am yep. I that I get to hear the details of this story. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, fascinating. And I know from meeting you and knowing you that, I have never met a human being like you <laughs> and I'm, with all the, I mean, the combination of, brain. well, you know, from my perspective, it's, it's fascinating. It's a huge blessing. I mean, really I've the, the, the detail of high performance that you're capable of. And at the same time, the detail of the, the humility you're capable of that combination is just fascinating and you're, you're, you're just a joy to know and, and be with. And, um, (laughs) you know, I, I, and, and I mean, I don't think anyone can figure out your personality type yet. You have figured out other personality types. And in fact, you have helped so many, you know, humans, but also so many companies and you've got something that's, uh, you know, you've now you invented and, and you've innovated a, a profiling, uh, you know, system and it's called the forecast personality profiling system how in the world did you come up with something like that and and you know how does you know what what even interested you in doing that
1: (laughs) well this is something that all the ceos in the audience will probably sit up and pay a lot of attention to but uh we developed the ability to precisely build high performance teams specifically out of a pile of parts we could take any combination of existing teams or potential teams, or what if I hired this person away from that company and put them together, we can predict with great accuracy before these people meet each other. Who's going to work with who, why they won't, the motivations for national security purposes. It's astounding for criminology purposes, even predicting who's going to be a thief, how much money they'll steal steal, where, when, and where they'll put it. So these things have never been possible before. We have a line of both classified and unclassified classes. You can see more on our website mentioned earlier. Now, as far as where I came up with this from is I didn't. I just thought this was normal. My brother and sister are equally talented in other fields, and we get together sometimes. To us, is we're the normal ones. It's everyone else is somehow oddly going out of the way not to know these things, and it's mystifying to us. <laughs> so I don't seem abnormal i seem perfectly normal and so when i look at someone my greatest gift that god's given me is abstract knowledge abstract logic the ability to see thousands or even millions of seemingly separate things and see patterns where others see that or even computers so given every human face i've ever seen back to two and a half years old oh, i can see them all Every person who's ever had a nose like this or an ear like this, or and I see all those faces and I instantly see patterns. So to me, it's obvious that every time a person tells this particular type of lie, they always have the same facial feature there. Every time they do this type of particular bank robbery, where they wait in line, politely pass a note, apologize, or jump over the counter, fire a shot, it doesn't matter. They always end up with multiple things. They often park their cars, walk. Build resumes, eat the same foods in the same orders—is an astounding number of patterns. That was obvious to me the whole time that I didn't think was even worthy of mentioning because. And finally, in my mid twenties, began to realize no one's talking about this but me, and that's when I realized it yeah. quote an invention.
0: Well, you know, when I when I start the show and it's called CEO blind spots a lot of people assumed it was only about, you know, the negative blind spots or the things that cause problems. But, you know, as you know, very well yourself, there are also such things as positive blind spots. And you just mentioned one for yourself, right? You, it's like, duh, doesn't everybody know this? And, (laughs) and doesn't everybody understand this? And then you realize, Oh no, this is a positive blind spot. And, um, you know, you it's amazing. A lot of things you don't understand that it really is something special that you have to you. It's, it's just normal. But uh, that's what I'm saying. You, you definitely have lots of positive blind spots. But um, anyway, on that note, what, what is something that has either, you know, been the most challenging or rewarding for you regarding leading people?
1: Uh, rewarding. You know, uh, we all get those one-offs where, you know, it, they, they cost you a lot of time disproportionate to the rest. But, you know, that's mm-hmm. to be expected. I, to me, it's been extraordinary. It, it's a joy. I, w- when I can find Unsung Hero, and I've been able, privileged to do this many, many times, not just for my company and companies, but for client companies. Some of the, And sometimes the, the biggest companies on earth, as well as uh, agencies of the U.S. intelligence community as well is to be able to find those unsung heroes. And let me, let me speak as if I'm talking to one of those people that every or CEOs that have those people, every company, particularly referring to the larger ones with several hundred employees and more, you you've got these bright achievers who in their departments, probably 80% of all the work comes through them or is touched by them. But often they're not appreciated or rewarded, commensurate to their efforts. Particularly in technology, you get the geek factor. It could be very lopsided. I, I know it comes like HP where I've worked or uh, you know signed it to Microsoft, for example. Is you, you'll get these, they're all brilliant, but there's always these one or two people out of every hundred who do such an extraordinary amount that pretty much anything that's of value comes to them, is tested by them, modified them, approved by them to get done. And that's all we hire. So what we do is identify those people and hire them. Now, in the beginning, that was exactly accurate, but these salaries could be astronomical. So I began to think about 15 years ago, what if I can identify people that just joined a company that will be tomorrow's unsung hero, but hire them before they know that, pay them well, and as they bring in revenue, give them a piece of that, we could keep them forever. And how would we do that because i told you our human intelligence technology is just that good so we've actually made a living that's better about technology we can precisely figure out tomorrow's unsung heroes in fact i've told you know a handful of people you are a national class expert destined to succeed on the national stage but at this time all the guys asking for is forty thousand a year i'm not going to pay you that little i insist on paying you double and as you perform You get a percentage of the earnings, which is very fair. You know, we get some people, uh, employees that just love us to death because we treat them right as we want to be treated ourselves in that situation.
0: Wow, you're going to have so many new applications of, uh, you know, uh, another I show so. CEOs and other leaders. But boy, if anybody gets a hold of this show, they're going <laughs> to be contacting you for a job. Because, yeah, that's it's these days, it's to people more and more, what matters to them is to be treated fairly. You know, the days that's when corporations would you know you would work in one place for 40 years and they take care of you you know look in the papers i mean it's constantly in transition. so i think you're going to have a competitive edge not just because you know how to select people but also the way you treat people so i'm just curious you know really curious you have that people say a lot of times we are our habits and what what would you say is one of your key ones that, that has you thinking this way and succeeding this way?
1: <laughs> you know, is I am just smart enough to be my own worst enemy. Uh, God has blessed me with extraordinary knowledge and wisdom and, and, and often you know, walk in the biggest data centers on earth or uh, national security crisis and instantly be the only person that sees a route through all that mess. And that is a weakness of mine. Because if I don't stay tight and close to my Lord and Savior Jesus, I'll I'll quickly get off in a place where it may God may permit it, but it's not the center of his perfect will, or even outright make a mistake. And so for the last couple of years mm. in particular, for 40 years of my 57, I've started the day with Bible study and prayer. But a lot of the routine. A lot of the, let's just read for the sake of reading is gone. Now it's like a personal connection every day, pressing into the heart of God. When I read things like, if you love one another, instead of saying like, that's good, I do that, or I want to do that. Instead, it's like, Lord, what does that mean? What am I not doing? Show me where I need to change. And really pressing in for the guidance of the Holy Spirit and waiting into the glory of God just comes over me. And so that's been a habit that's getting more and more intense and pervasive. And I end the day the same way. And with the glory of God on me, you, you, you're you going to make some high quality decisions day after day after day. And for me, when that glory, you start the day with that level of intimacy where Jesus, you're communicating in both directions, able to pray and hear the voice of God back, you know, that it takes time. But it, it is, you know, again, my sheep hear my voice, Jesus said. And able to do that leads to all day long, astounding ministry opportunities and I don't just mean that, you know, Jesus is Lord and Savior. I'm talking about prophecies and words of knowledge and laying hands on people getting healed, all because the glory of God becomes so strong, you can't not help but be that way to everyone you need.
0: Wow. Um, again, you're so unique in that you know about the listening part, right? I think uh, many, many know about praying and talking and reading scripture, but listening, um, how do you know if you're actually hearing God versus your own ideas?
1: Astounding question I've taught on this extensively. We have a whole ministry life of faith in Christ.org life of faith in Christ ministries and uh, but, but you you know at all times we're hearing actually three voices in our heads and they all sound exactly like your own thoughts. Some of you right now are hearing thoughts like this guy's crazy Well that's same. I wonder if this could be true. That's your mind. Of course, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. That's the Holy Spirit. So in other words, you're, all of us are constantly hearing three voices. And in the beginning, they all sound just like your own thoughts. Some of you have actually experiencing thoughts where you thought, you thought, the, the I'm depressed. Actually, that Satan broadcasted in your head. And so as you read the word of God with that intimacy I talked about, it might take three weeks, but reading the Bible, like in the book of John and saying, Jesus, show up. I need to hear from you. And as you read the words and allow make time for God, eventually you'll start hearing the tiny voice of the God. And there's so much more. It can go very dramatic from there. But eventually you can actually ask the God of the universe a question and he will answer you back. And I'm telling you, wisdom beyond anything you could ever know, read, do, study, and find out. And that's the key. Even in classified environments, no matter what it is, and say all I have to do is ask the Savior, and just like Daniel saw the dream of Nebuchadnezzar in an instant, I see it all. And so that's been a huge key in my work: is to have the two-way relationship with the God of the universe who wants to bless us and all we do.
0: Yeah, and and obviously give you the secrets on how to solve cyber crime exactly. and all other stuff. Exactly. <laughs> so- So if, you know, uh, earlier, you know, I said, wow, everybody's going to want to work with you the way you treat people. However, I also happen to know you only hire the top performers. In fact, you're so stringent, the only the the 2%. Now, am I going to have to be Christian to work for you? Absolutely not.
1: You know, we we are a company that hires everyone who qualifies for the top 2% and they have to pass a personal aptitude test as well. So it is better than a polygraph. Uh, we we love people to try. And some people have tried to filtrate our organization, but it doesn't work. And there's more on our website to, to some extent. So, But anyway. Oh,
0: um, is that a challenge? <laughs>
1: <laughs> we, we welcome that. We, we, we absolutely, we've had a number of people try different things. And it's just a, it's kind of a waste of their time. Us, we actually use that stuff sometimes to bolster our class material. But Again there's a brochure you can download from our you know the claritycorp.com website if you look in there under the uh under the uh, personality uh, executive management part of it but basically what it, what, it right. what we do is that anyone who has our ethics and values are going to share a similar approach and we think that even if they have a different religion in time when they see the works and fruits of God the Father and his son Jesus they cannot help but either say You know, I've heard this a thousand times. If I ever was a Christian, Paul, it'd be because of you. I cannot deny the things. My God doesn't do that for me. My new age does not do that for me. My wicked doesn't do that for me. My, you know, whatever religion doesn't do that for me. But I can't help and see the more I work with you, the more I'm forced to declare there is a God, there is a Jesus. He's working in your life. He's not in my life yet, but, and we love that. So it's like a ministry opportunity. Come, you know, uh, Bring your religion. Let's see what happens.
0: (laughs) Uh, Oh, I, (laughs) again, another challenge. So, um, (laughs) so thank you, Paul, for being so, I love your sense of humor and, um, and you're so open. And, uh, you know, as we wrap up the show though, I do, I I am curious, uh, would you share a quote that, um, you know, Raymond said and uh, about you just, I think that's a good wrap up quote.
1: Oh, yes. Well, you must be referring to my good friend, Raymond Morey. Uh Yes. You know, at the time we met, he was assistant director of the FBI uh, nationally, and he was actually supervisor, special agent of the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force. And he actually was the agent that hired us to come in to do some training for that agency, but writing on his own. I know he had to get some degree of approvals for this, but not on behalf of that um, agency he wrote that he can attest that Paul's, uh, methods of, um, I don't have the quote right in front of me, but Paul's. Well, if I may,
0: I have the quote in front of me.
1: Great. (laughs) Perfect.
0: (laughs) And and, uh, yeah, I did my homework too, but, uh, you know, it's a pretty lengthy quote. So I'm just going to, uh, you know, I'm going to say that one of the biggest things that stood out was that, that, of course he gives you great compliment, but he says that, um, the applications of you know, your, Paul's expertise include employment screening, cybersecurity, market assessments, and master's level training of his assessment technology. And then he says, I can attest that during his cutting edge insights, provide his clients with the distinct advantages and the confidence to move into greater success. And, you know, he, it's just, it's so funny because people just cannot summarize you in one sentence. I mean, this is a whole paragraph. And, I, and, and you know, and that's just the point. I don't know how to wrap up the show without cutting everything short. So I, I request and I hope you'll accept my request that you come back at another time in the show and we can, you know, explore many other areas. And, and again, you've got so many positive blind spots. (laughs) We're going to have to tackle (laughs) those as well. (laughs) And I just want to really thank you for being on the show and I will, you know, include the information and the links you mentioned regarding, you know, how people can find you. You, um, I, I know you also have a book and I'll include that the expect to believe, um, but uh, but the Clarity Corp, I think I think it's funny because, um, it, and I, I'm going to give you a challenge. You know, the blind spot is, you know, you're the Clarity Corp. Yet, how in the world can you be clear about what seems like millions of expert technologies you have and millions of things you could provide? But uh, but I know going to your website is going to help you know a lot with that. So. So I'm just going to reiterate the clarity is your company. And, um, and again, thank you for being on the show today and, uh, really, really good. appreciate knowing you. Yes. And then with that, um, well, it's been fun for me too, and and I'm sure the listeners, at the very least, have, <laughs> are probably scratching their head and going, "I've got to meet Paul," and I encourage that. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I will I will wrap it up in deep gratitude for you, our listeners, and I will also, you know, say goodbye and and you know, well, everybody else can figure out what I'm saying when I say Dot scenes. adios" and goodbye for now. <laughs> Take care. Tot ziens. Adiós.